Hi everyone, welcome back to Foreign Look Podcast, a show that takes you deeper to where ideas come to life. This world now calls for us to be sustainable. What does sustainable mean? You know, sustainable for ourselves, for our own self, is that we need to be able to provide for our own self, to take responsibilities of paying our every, you know, like being able to afford our day-to-day, being grounded. Today, I get to sit down with Jenny Ma. She has worked for Elle magazine in the licensing division, where she was responsible to grow their brand for fashion and lifestyle products in Southeast Asia. Now, as a real estate agent for the Corcoran Group, Jenny is helping independent artists by opening the doors of the most luxurious New York City apartments and showcasing their unique work. I'm so excited for today's episode, and I know you guys are going to be inspired by it as much as I did, so much so that I almost cheer up. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jenny Ma. This is going to be rather interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and opening the doors of this beautiful apartment. I wish you guys could see this view, it's insane. This is something I always ask to my guests, but would you mind introducing yourself to those that don't know you? Hello, my name is Jenny Ma. I was born in Hong Kong. My mother is Filipina, so I got the privilege to live both in Hong Kong and in the Philippines during my childhood. And also, I speak the language. So we're going to jump right away into our interview and I want to know everything about you. First, how did you get started in the fashion industry? I've been in the New York City real estate uh, industry for the past 17 years. And 16 years prior to that, I was in the fashion industry. Fashion was kind of ingrained in me at a very young age. Uh, through our father who built his um, he built very through hard work a successful fashion business in Hong Kong casual wear and I think we were all very influenced by that so at a very young age without knowing we were exposed to um, some European brands and so then that kind of you know took off uh, my life uh, in that direction with also having my own resonance and having my own um, interest in in that field seeing that you were very much influenced by your father into the fashion industry how do you go from fashion to be a realtor in New York City. Real estate at the time for me in 2003 was unplanned. I left the fashion industry in 2002. And um, after 16 years of being in the industry, doing many different things, and at the time, many, many companies were cutting budgets. That was the time of the bubble of the um, online marketing, online sales that people were still trying to figure out. And in 2000, you know, around 2000, 
and that was when the bubble crashed in San Francisco. And so many companies at that time, especially fashion companies, and I worked for a publication company um, uh, in the last eight years of my career. And um, so many companies around early 2000 cut their budget. Before that, traveling, you know, we were, we were traveling all over the place, uh, you know, flying business class, staying at five, six star hotels around the world. And, but suddenly there was this massive cut because there was, the, the change happened in the industry. But at that time, I had already felt that I wasn't learning. I already felt that I needed a change from doing fashion. I was at the company for eight years, specializing in licensing. I worked for Elle magazine at the right. time. Yeah, and uh, which relocated me here to New York City, by the way. I moved to New York in January 1998. And so after being in the industry for so long, for 16 years, I felt that I wasn't learning. I needed to learn and whatever that was. So I took, I thought I was going to take three months off. Then um, I would still write and send my resume to fashion companies Mm -hmm. that I wanted to work at. I was responsible for business development for the licensed product for the magazine at the time. And uh, so I thought I could go to a larger company and and uh, and pr- continue to learn with large companies. My my search for another fashion job was somewhat unsuccessful. However, during the process of my interviews that I've had, I actually wrote to um, Gucci in Firenze at the time. And the woman who was responsible for hiring wrote back and said, well, if you're, if you're visiting Florence, let me know and I'll meet you. So of course, what you do is you fly yourself over. So I went there, it's, I went to the head office in, of Gucci in Florence. At a time when I was younger, I would just do things like if I felt this is right, I would just do it, you know, and because that's what you do when you're young. Yeah. So the woman was nice and, you know, she looked at me and said, asked me questions about my work and I was going on and on and she was a bit serious and suddenly she asked me a question. She says, what do you think is the challenge of the fashion industry? Yeah. After listening to me for talking, talking about my background, she was nodding, but yet, you know, with this seri- mm-hmm. somewhat a serious face. So she says, what do you think is a challenge in the fashion industry? I looked at her and I said, I think the, f- the challenge of the fashion industry it's because the challenge of the fashion industry, it's, it's because it's a man's world. Suddenly, she started laughing. 
she was laughing and I was like oh my god and of course I didn't get the job but that interview you know like gave me a direction somewhat you know like an answer for me you know do you really you know is that really what you wanted to do when did you get started as a as a realtor January 2003, I met a lot of new friends during the time after I left and one of a, uh, a woman I met, she was in a um, beauty industry. Uh, she became she became a good friend at the time. She, she told me that her uncle told her that the New York real estate prices is escalating and this is a good time to enter real estate. So my initial thought is real estate there's no base salary that's that's a big stretch from fashion to real estate yeah and plus i wasn't more concerned that i was more concerned of like no no base salary <laughs> interesting yeah anyhow so another few another few months come along and this is in may i was running out of uh money I was running you know my I spent all my savings and my severance and you know like living a year not not working I woke up one day and thought real estate that is and it was really interesting when I moved from Hong Kong to New York it was also around May in 2007 that I woke up one day and I had sort of this epiphany and say, I need to leave Hong Kong. And when I decided to, to get into real estate, it was also in May, in the month of May. It was May 2003. And so once I made that decision, at the time I was staying, at the, I, was, uh, I was house sitting for a friend and it, it turned out that the real estate school was literally two blocks away. Like it was meant to be. Right, right. And I got my license and I started real estate within the month. One of the many things I admire about you, it's what you do and how you open the doors of these beautiful New York City penthouses and apartments and help independent artists by showcasing their work. So I want to know, when exactly did you decide, you know what, I'm going to combine realty and, and art? Um, over, just about, over about a decade ago, I started meeting very creative people, creative friends, like artistic friends from landscape design, and ceramic artists and then I would keep meeting very unique artists and I was very creative when I was young but I pursued the business side of uh, the creativity in a fashion industry seven years after I was in you know in in, in um, fashion yeah so I think because I have, I have the, you know, like fashion and creativity is like a second nature in my mm -hmm. life, pretty much. 
And so meeting these artists was almost just natural and I, I could understand and I can have deep conversations with these artists that I meet about their art. I mean, I couldn't believe that, you know, I could tap into what they're trying to do. Right. But I really appreciated that. That's, you know, I found, I found that their art have a message and are very poetic. And I understand how when an artist's work is really there's a story to it it just speaks and the artists don't have to market themselves their art mar markets itself i started um this new business model curating art installing art and curating events in real estate with this vision i i conceptualized this vision at the end of uh, 2017 and Again, I came to a time when I needed to reevaluate my life. Um, I think in anyone's journey, as we are experiencing life, my interest became um, very wide. Like, I have my creative side, and I also like to be able to do things for our planet, for, you know, for the collective. And I was literally li living kind of like I had three compartmentalized life, selling four walls, real estate, um, my passion in creativity. And I started writing poetry as well. And then um, the initiative Choice of the Future that I co-founded with friends from Switzerland and in and in France and that was not working because one would be suffering and so when I reevaluated my my life because uh, today at, at, at that time I was I was entering 15 years in real estate and so the first question I had was am I still passionate with real estate and the answer is yes Okay, good, because you know what? This is what you're good at. You have enough experience that you can generate income. Right. So going back to uh, end of December, in uh, end of 2017, so at that time, I already saw that New York City real estate market would have a lot of new developments coming, new condominium constructions. And for me... I saw the opportunity that there must be some new developments that I can talk to to host my artist friends. And so that was the other part. And the and then another reason to this new business model is that our industry real estate has become more and more competitive. And so we are constantly, we need to go out and meet people and our business is usually a high percentage is a referral. So I meet a lot of people, but yet, you know, um, I don't, you know, I, I network, but they don't necessarily know me well enough. And so when they introduce me to somebody who needs a, you know, a real estate agent to 
to sell their property or to buy or even to rent, this person that they refer me to may not really, you know, may already also know other people that is introduced by their other friends. So it doesn't stick in my world. Yeah, it doesn't stick. And then when I go out and, you know, to the all these like networking events, because that's what you kind of like have to do in the early days in your industry. I find I found it that not many of these real estate events were really in, you know, that in alignment to what I to my purpose. So I decided and yeah, OK, so then if I go to a networking event, easily 20 to 30 percent of the people in the room are real estate agents. So I sell real estate. I meet brokers every day. But if I want to meet a new client, I really don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be in a pool of so many of us already. It just uh, it just like feels a little awkward. Yeah. You know, and then so when I when I saw this opportunity, when I was reevaluating my business uh, end of 2017, I saw this being a challenge as well. So I thought, so if I create my own business model, if I carve this new business model, I'm going to install artists, starting from the artists I know, you start warm, and and curate events around them. So I can invite, you know, all my, besides, uh, you know, I can invite my clients as, you know, as uh, to sort of reconnect with my clients, um, to the circles of the artists and later on I worked with art curators so I get to meet the people um, the network of people of the art curators so my events became that I can control the crowd it's because it's my event and very little that my events that would have real estate agent because I can control and I can you know um, the, 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 the guest list. Mm. So I saw that opportunity. And then lastly, uh, I needed to carve in the philanthropic side. So later on, I, I'm, what I managed to do is that at my events, when I'm, whether it's artists selling their art or there's event that has ticket sales, 10% of the sales proceed at the minimum will be donated to a select conscious organization. So this satisfied, this new business model satisfied my challenges, satisfied my interests in my, that in my life that is in alignment to what I believe in and makes my journey uh, moving forward of selling four walls more interesting. And then as I was, as I was curating all these different events, um, especially in 2019, I ended up curating quite a few events. And so it made me re it made me remember that during my fashion days, I, uh, and then during my, you know, earlier years, I actually enjoyed putting people together. Um, my family business at the time, when I was in my early 20s in Hong Kong, we, um, we represented 
this Californian uh, casual clothing called LA Gear. It had it, its relaunch and our company signed the exclusive uh, distributor or wholesaler for the brand. And my uncle, you know, said to me, okay, well, we're going to have this launch event at this big shopping mall in Kowloon side. Why don't you handle it? So that was my first assignment. I was probably 20 or 20, 21 or 22. And LA Gear, you know, we flew in these dancers from LA Gear, all these executives from the company, and we did this big launch. And my friends came. And I remember it was so easy for me. It was just like instantaneous. It was spontaneous. It was effortless. And I really enjoyed it. And then, and then later on, you know, I would like organize like parties, you know, we, we, you know, like we went clubbing in Hong Kong a lot and Hong Kong is a very small community. And in those days, I remember this is before email. And so we would send out fax invites. One of the biggest party I've ever hosted in Hong Kong which was, again, it was a spontaneous idea. I put together five friends and I said, okay, well, if we each invite like, you know, five to 10 people, we'll have, you know, like maybe 80 people, you know, that's a nice size of a party. And then it was hosted, funny enough, it was hosted in the clubhouse of where we were living in Hong Kong side. Now, I'm saying this is because I'm reliving the new development in New York City during this because there are clubhouses and, uh, and like beautiful new apartments. And it turned out that over 200 people came and I basically half of Hong Kong's Friday night crowd or I don't remember what or Saturday night was in our building was at my party and at the time my friend who was a very famous DJ there, Alan James Jewell, who everyone knows, he was a DJ and he was a voluntary DJ because he's a friend. So when I'm planning these events, when I was curating these events last year, I only realized recently how it everything is so connected, like it's almost like a full circle to my life. Right. And also what's amazing about this is that, okay, so this business model is molded and it's carved to everything that is in alignment to what I'm passionate about. Then later on, I realized that, you know, of course, with new young artists, when they want to have a show in any gallery in New York City, first, it's competitive. There's a lot of art, uh, artists wanting to do that. And second, most importantly, too, is the cost factor. Not everyone can afford it. Yeah, not everybody can, not every young artist can afford that. And the third aspect to this is, of course, if you are to sell an art and if it's exhibited in an apartment, obviously, you know, it's been done before and it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And for people looking at the art they can they can reference it to how it would look in their own home mm. and i you know this part everybody's been you know has done that but for me to be able to provide the space to young artists to me it's it's gratifying why is that is because those artists that i choose may not have dreamed of being able to 
uh, exhibit their pieces in in you know like looking over like beautiful Manhattan skyline right and and the cityscape and so what was nice about this is eventually my my events have been I I curated events I I I curated art show partnering with art curators picking young artists and young artists who have the potential but again you know uh don't that necessarily have the resources right don't necessarily have the resources and so for me it was heartwarming to see their you know they they their amazement to realizing these events they invited their friends who are all who all came to support and celebrate their success the success is just the success is just being able to realize it mm-hmm. everything the success in life is being able to move a step forward to manifest something and to me it's a realization and then you move on to the next We are down to our last question, and it is, what advice would you give to new independent artists who are starting in their career path? So my advice to young artists, first of all, is do what speaks to your heart. All my life, I was a little unconventional. I didn't write like the academic side of the school. Uh, on my school but I really was drawn in the creative side from sewing to um, I was very good at pencil drawing at the time and photography and black and white photography and uh, so I've always like just followed what if what felt right to me and so my advice is really follow what your heart tells you, what follow what your heart excites you for. And find a purpose at the same time to do it. I realize that all the things that I've been doing throughout my career is because I really enjoyed the moment. And if you are in a moment of enjoying something you're passionate about time stops that is so true because you're so immersed in the moment that is feeding your soul that yeah. is feeding you feel making you feel alive and excited something that you can't explain mm-hmm. and you know just follow that um i think what's important as well in life is to be humbled and it's not a it's not always about the money it's not always about the education when you are following your heart and just working towards something whatever that unfolds you will never know but as long as you're open to explore open to talk to people and i do i mean i was shy when i was young but then when you really really want something I think anyone can say that they're not that shy. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and it's not just a matter of like life or death, but 
because if you, I mean, just like love. Yeah, yeah. If you really are love somebody, nothing will stop you to 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 say or be with that person, whether or not it's the right thing later on. But that's just what it is. You you follow it. But again, of course. You know, being, you know, like, of course, we have to be responsible in our life. And again, you know, weighing things out and finding that balance. So humility comes a long way, I think, and not taking things for granted. And, you know, I think I have, you know, I think being humble has taken me a long way and being grateful, being grateful to everything around you even even when life is the hardest and toughest all right life when it's hardest and toughest in new york city we're still living in kind of like a privileged world because we have all the conveniences everything is in a snap of a finger in living in new york everything is convenient made convenient for us and this is where things can happen fast too and obviously it's something that we are this is something that's innate in us that's what brought us here and so being grateful in every moment with everyone that you meet good or bad successes and especially those challenges challenges are there for us to improve ways of our being situations and more importantly, the challenges when we come across dealing with another human being, because that's really the key to grow, the key to be, to become closer to our full potential in life. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't have said that any better. Thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on the show. I I want to thank you for this incredible opportunity to share my journey as an ordinary woman, as I see myself to be. Like there's many, many incredible people out there. And for me to be able to share my journey is a privilege and an honor. Not at all. The honor, it's all mine. All right, that was my conversation with Jenny Ma. I hope you guys were inspired by her story as much as I was. If you enjoyed this conversation, you can find Jenny on Instagram as at madoneworld. And while you add it, you can follow us on Instagram at fernlookmagazine and I'm Grace G underscore. Lastly, don't forget to rate us 5 out of 5 and leave a comment because that will help us reach out to a lot more people and inspire many others. Thank you so much for tuning in on this week's episode of the Foreign Look Podcast. I am your host, Grace E.G., and I'll see you next week on another amazing conversation. Bye, guys.